No Gray Zone podcast is a frank and honest conversation on topics related to sexual abuse, harassment, child exploitation, and domestic and workplace violence. The opinions are our own, based on years of experience as special victims prosecutors. Any study, book, or product we mention is based on our own review and are not sponsored. Links and titles can be found in the podcast notes. You can also learn more at rightresponseconsulting.com. Listener discretion is advised. I'm just good at caring too much. I'm just good at caring too much. Is it too much to ask that you be all mine? I never was good at sharing. I'm just good at caring. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Marsh, and this is No Gray Zone Podcast. Today, we welcome Rebecca Kari, founder of Hands of Justice, an organization that provides economic empowerment for survivors through awareness, outreach, survivor scholarships, and survivor-led support groups. But that's not all she does. Rebecca herself is a survivor, an advocate, educator, author, and public speaker. She also holds a survivor position on the board of Montgomery County Coalition Against Human Trafficking and serves as a survivor leader counsel for the state of Texas. Rebecca, welcome to No Gray Zone. Thank you for having me. We are thrilled. I am hoping that you can share with our listeners just a little bit of your background. What led to the creation of Hands of Justice? Well, yeah, um, you kind of already touched on it. I am a survivor of domestic sex trafficking. I think for me personally, Hands of Justice was, it's way more than just another nonprofit out there trying to help survivors. For me, it was a huge part of my healing journey. So I'll just explain. I was trafficked in my 20s for about two and a half years, but it took me a good 14 to 15 years after that abuse and getting away from my abuser to actually self-identify that I, that's what had happened to me. Because 20 years ago, the term human trafficking did not exist, right? And so I, I had to come to terms with that later in life. And for me, once I did self-identify, I think looking at the anti-trafficking arena and seeing how few people were talking about it at the time, you know, it made me very angry. And so I wanted to do something about it. And that's when I just decided I can't really be mad at anybody else for not doing anything about it because I wasn't out there doing anything either. So that's when I just made a decision that um, I could do something with my story and and turn it around and help others. And so that's how Hands of Justice kind of came to be in the beginning. You know, Rebecca, I talk with a lot of survivors and on the prosecution side, it's always surprising to me, but it is a prevalent theme throughout everything that at the time, the actions that were being committed against them were not anything that they could articulate as traffic. It wasn't anything that somebody was talking about as this is trafficking, in large part because it's the movie, right? You're snatched off the street. You're locked in a storage container. You're trapped in a basement. So many individuals who are trafficked would say, I could leave the house. I did have a cell phone. But we don't talk about that power and control dynamic that just permeates trafficking. Yeah. And I'm a huge advocate for really touching on what trafficking looks like here in America. Because like you said, the, the movie Taken is the worst movie ever made when it comes to trafficking. But that's what people identify trafficking as being because that's what they've been taught. But also media kind of sensationalizes what it looks like here. 
And so it is hard, very, very hard and, uh, and almost a misjustice in itself because survivors, if that's not their story, they don't identify with it. And it's just to me an extreme misjustice or misjustice, what you said, um, that these men and women are just not being able to see what exactly is really trafficking and how it's happening. And, and so touching on the truth about it is so important. And, and letting people understand that it is a, a brainwashing, trauma bonding experience, mostly between a trafficker and a, and a victim. It, it is that trauma bond that gets exploited and vulnerabilities that get exploited all the time. Right. And, and I think this is one of the really important things from Hands of Justice is really working on the education component. Mm-hmm. So we don't leave survivors out of the conversation. Very much. So if you could talk a little bit about some of the main missions of Hands of Justice. Yeah. So again, I, I love educating. <laughs> I, I love educating the community, but also I love educating other survivors. Because what I find is, again, the misconceptions out there about human trafficking, especially what it looks like here in the United States, are so misleading. And so really just getting out there and sharing, this is what trafficking is, this is how it happens, and who it happens to, and and the signs to look for, you know, just preparing people. But on the other side of it, doing the same with trafficking survivors, because even though they have their own story, human trafficking is not black and white. It looks very different. It's an individualized crime, so every story is different. And it's so important for everybody to understand that, including survivors, because it touches on so much for them when they realize like, oh, well, yeah, that did happen to me, but I can see how that happened to you as well. So education and prevention is very important, I think, in anti-trafficking. Again, if you don't know what to look for, you can't help somebody, you can't help yourself. And so we're big advocates on that. The other programs that we have, like the survivor support groups and then the scholarships, I can get to those in a minute, but we do have our outreach program, which is our freedom bags, which we love doing that. So once a month, we give anywhere from 65 to 110 of these freedom bags out, partner with four other organizations, and they take them down into the strip clubs and in the brothels and on the streets and the homeless population. And we're kind of trying to get to potential victims and let them know that, you know, somebody cares about them, that there's resources available. And these bags are just full of essential items and then fun items, some really encouraging cards, and then some resources available for them. And it's a, it's a great way for people to get involved without actually having to get down in the nitty gritty harshness of trafficking itself, but also still give back to the, the very people that human trafficking will target if that makes sense. It it does. In fact, I love your freedom bag program because I think the fact that it's going out even before somebody self-identifies or maybe even before somebody is actually trafficked, because when you said everybody's story is different, the only universal truth I have ever seen with survivors is that there was a vulnerability that was exploited. Amen. And everybody's vulnerability is different. And I think the freedom bag program of just letting people in the community and oftentimes those who are marginalized know that somebody cares, it it helps limit that vulnerability in some ways. Right. Yeah. It makes a difference. It does. Yeah. I think 20 years ago, if somebody had done for me, maybe, I don't know, but maybe my story might be a little different than it is or was, or how I escaped and all that. But for these men and women, 
it helps them to know like this is happening to other people. This is real. And, and there is help out there, which a lot of them unfortunately do not have and do not know. So it's just a start really. It, it is. It's that first foot in the door. And as you said, it's something that anybody around this country can help support because you have an Amazon wish list. I do. Yeah. Or the freedom bag items. And so we're going to have a link to that wish list directly in the podcast notes. So anybody can go to it, click right on, purchase an item or two from that freedom bag wish list. It'll go directly to hands of justice. You don't have to get down onto the streets and drop the bags yourself. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. We have heard many, many good things from survivors and victims or potential victims from these bags. You're you're making a big difference if you do help contribute to that. So thank you. You mentioned a few other things that Hands of Justice does, and I want to talk about them both, but let's first talk about the survivor-led group meetings. And so I know you yourself lead an online nationwide survivor-led group meeting and that you have several other members of the team that lead different survivor-led group meetings. Can you just talk a little bit about how the group meetings work and how somebody who is a survivor can find out more to participate? Absolutely. So the survivor-led support groups are kind of my baby. What I love the most is literally just walking alongside other survivors, having a a safe place to come and be with like-minded people. What I found the most in my journey is that so many other survivors, that's what they crave the most. They want to be around people who understand what they've been through without ever having to even say anything. And that's very hard to find. And so when I started looking for other support groups, I could not find anything, could not. And it's just nationwide. I'm looking and looking and I'm like, so there's support groups for everything, but not for human trafficking. So I came up with the idea of starting these. And then I was like, why not allow other survivors to lead these groups? Because then it allows them to step up into leadership position and start getting their foot into anti-trafficking if that's where they want to work and and move up in in that area. And so I do have a nationwide group. Um, It's on Facebook. It's private. There's 183 women and men in that room. And then every Tuesday we meet via Zoom or something private for about two hours, every other Tuesday, I'm sorry. And so it just uh, allows again for men and women from all over the nation to come together and be like, I hear you, I see you, I understand what you've been through and let's support each other as we go along. And then I have a local group that I have here, which has about 12 women in it. And then I do a couple of groups for some safe homes that are closed groups for them. We have hired on some other um, survivors in the state of Texas that are starting their own groups. And then on top of that, we have a group for family members, because what we're finding is that human trafficking does not just affect the victim and the, and the survivors. It affects uh, everybody around them, including families. And so we have two women, incredible women that currently have loved ones that are being trafficked. One's uh, a lady's granddaughter and the other one is her daughter. And they just have found navigating the system so extremely hard. I mean, they're lost. They have no clue sometimes what to do. And so we've started this group so they can come together and support each other and give advice on that as well. And then we have an LGBTQ community um, group that's led by a a licensed practitioner therapist who specializes in that area. And we're looking to expand into other states and and to really just, again, allow leaders to step up, survivor leaders to step up in this area and then allow others to come and be surrounded by like-minded individuals who've been there. That's the point of it. And um, again, I love it. I, I 
absolutely would do more groups if I had more time. But, you know, sometimes we just, we got to let other people do that too. That's what we're doing. That's true. But I think it's important. And I think giving voice to other survivors to be able to step up for the lead, those groups is really important. Yeah. If there's a survivor who's listening or is Googling, trying to find a support group for them, how do they actually reach out to Hands of Justice to sign up to register? Yeah. So the process is really simple. If you go on the handsofjustice.org, underneath the program tab at the top, um, you can hit on support groups. And then when you go to that page, it lists every single leader that we have, what their background or bio is, when their groups are, what days, what times, how they are run, because we have some mobile groups, which means we meet in person or we meet via Zoom. It just depends on everybody's schedule. There's local groups where we meet in person, and then there's only online groups. So it's really up to the individual on how, what kind of group they want. And then they will just click on the registration button that's underneath the, the leader, and it's about five questions. You fill it out. And then the leader of that group will contact you either via phone or via email. One of the two, I personally have a consent form that you have to sign to be a part of our group. It's really just like a confidentiality slash um, rules for the group. And then once I get that back, then they automatically are added to the group. And then I will send them information on where we meet and what time. And it changes so that it's safe. We don't want these men and women to feel like, you know, if it's like an online group, like they're in a room full of men and women they don't know. So we, we are very vigilant about the rules and how we run it. And trying to keep it safe. Safe is our number one priority for these men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, a mixed group. My online one is, I do have men in there and every single woman has, so far has been gracious about that and understanding and, and okay with the fact that every once in a while, a guy might show up and see group. Absolutely. And I think it's highlighting the part that trafficking isn't just, again, how it's portrayed in the movie of just a young woman. It really does impact all parts of our society. Absolutely. But you mentioned one other thing I want to touch on, and that is survivor scholarships. Can you talk a little bit about that program? Yeah. So education was a big part of my healing journey. Um, Again, the first time I heard the term human trafficking, I was sitting in a college class, a psychology class. So yeah, I learned it in a way that I hope never happens for somebody else because it was really a harsh reality. But I'm grateful for it. At the same time, I was able to continue on and get my bachelor's, and I'm currently in a master's program for victim studies, which I I graduate in December, but just to have my degree after so many people for so long said that I would never make it this far is uh, an accomplishment and and something that I'm very, very proud of. And what I'm finding with these men and women is, yeah, they want a better life, but you know, they don't have the education to get it, or they don't have the job skills. And so being able to provide them a scholarship to go and follow their dreams is absolutely amazing. So we give out uh, anywhere from 100 to $1,500 every semester to every victim that applies, depending on their need. They do have to be in the state of Texas right now just because of funding. And then we help with GEDs. We help with certifications. We help with college. We help with books. We help with laptops, study material. I mean, you name it, anything education-wise, if we can help with, we try very hard to do so. And a lot of these men and women are out there getting their degrees where they first thought they would never, ever be able to accomplish something like that. I love watching them progress in their journeys in that way. Absolutely. And the farther they go in their education or training, whatever it is, the more people they're going to be able to touch as well and say, you know, nothing's going to, you know, hold me back. Yeah. 
it's so hard for men and women to continue in their healing journey when they don't even have a GED because of what has happened to them. And just providing that alone, um, I think we've given out more scholarships for GEDs than anything. Actually, we have a lot of college that we've given out, but GEDs has been a big, most people don't realize these men and women, there's a lot that don't have or have never gotten to finish. And to them, that is life changing. Just the amount of jobs or the kind of jobs that they can apply for at that point is so significantly different. And the value in life that they have and increases, obviously. So they, they are really grateful for the, those things. And so now I want to talk about one of your newest projects. And, <laughs> or I guess I should say re- newest released projects. So in February of this year, you released the book, When Silence Ends. Yes. And I know it's an educational tool, but it's also a compilation of real life survivor stories. Yeah. Can you just explain the process of creating the book? Yeah. So I had this idea a while ago, a couple of years ago, where I, I was looking at a book that was educational. And what I found that is, it wasn't a bad book, so to speak, back then, but it, to me, it was very outdated, but also only touched on like the sensationalized part of trafficking. And I'm like, man, there's got to be a tool out there that really encompasses the individualized stories. So I just decided, look, I'm going to put the educational portion that I I do in person a lot anyways, into a book, and I'm going to partner it up with survivor stories that meets those different areas. So it allows people to be educated, but also see the, the stark difference between each story, but also the similarities that led to it, if that makes sense. And so these men and women are are some of the survivors that I have walked with since day one. And I love them. Absolutely love them. And, and they were so willing to tell their stories. It was very healing for them to do so. Some of them, I would say the majority of them, this is the first time they've ever shared their stories publicly like this. And so it's just really for the community to be educated, but it's also really for them to be able to say, yeah, this is, this has happened. And it's very validating what happened to me. And I want to share that with you so that you can be educated correctly. (laughs) So that's really the premise behind it. And I am very proud of it. I'm proud of these men and women. We, we are super excited how it's been received so far and can't wait to see how far it goes. Absolutely. And education, quite frankly, is prevention. And we need to get this book, the survivor stories into the hands of the community. They say it in the book. The only way we're going to be able to curb education about human trafficking is very, very needed, but it's ultimately going to be the the stories of the men and women that stir people to action. I mean, without those stories in that book, that book would have been nothing. And I, I truly believe that like these, these men and women are what made that book, not me and not the education in it. It's them and, and allowing them just their, their own voice to be able to say, okay, um, here we go. <laughs> Here's for you. And may hopefully this don't happen to you because we are able to get this out there to you. So Absolutely. So now I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. <laughs> okay. So if you could pick one thing from the book that you wish individuals who read it or community members who talk to somebody who read it mm-hmm. could take away. What is one thing that you hope they would take away from the book the most? Hope. 
honestly. I think most of the time when people look at survivors or around or surrounded by survivors, they tend to pity us a little bit and also look at us like we're broken in some way, or they do the opposite and they put us up on this pedestal of being so brave. And in truth, we're individuals just like anybody else who's gone through trauma. And a lot of people go through trauma. It's not, not just us, but we want people just to say, we hear you and we see you, but we don't see you as just being a victim. We see you as being an overcomer that has stepped into an area of hope and, and been able to overcome what has happened to you. And so people don't sometimes look at us that way. They don't treat us like that. And so I just want them to see like there is major hope behind each and every one of these stories. If you read them, you will see, yeah, they talk about their trauma, but then it transitions halfway through and start talking about their hope and their healing journey and where they are now. And that's what we really want people to focus on, if that makes sense. We want them to understand that a lot of work to get to this side of things, but they are the ones that did it. Nobody else. They did it. And, and, and they deserve to be recognized for that more than anything. And and I think that raises another point that a lot of people struggle with. And you've got uh, two support groups. I think you said on this particular point is what do you advise family or friends whose loved one was trafficked? What do you advise them for how to interact, what to do, what not to do? Sit down with a survivor or a survivor leader. If it's your loved one, that's great. But the first thing I always tell anybody, including a survivor, is get educated. Get educated because the more you know, most I've had people say, I don't want to get educated because I'm scared. And I'm like, well, the more you know, the less you will be scared because you're prepared on what to look for at that point. If you don't know, and you're stuck in kind of an ignorant thing of what it is, I would, I would be scared for people. I am scared for people that don't get it these days more than they do. So education is probably the number one priority for anybody, including families. And then to sit down and have those hard conversations with your loved one, if it's a family member, if they've been rescued and say, what can we do to help you? What can we do that's detrimental to you? Because we, we want to be asked in, in, a, in a way, I guess, but we want to share that with you because it's something that we, we are learning as we go, right? It's a learning process for everybody involved. <laughs> but sitting down and really speaking with a survivor or of some kind, I've had family members come to me and said, I, I have a loved one who was trafficked. And I have no idea how to approach her. Approach her like she's a normal person who's just been through something and you're going to be there to support her, you know? It's as simple as that, to be honest. And and I think that's, it's so true. I think people are really afraid to have the conversation for a variety of reasons. One, they don't understand, but also they're worried about making it worse or re-traumatizing the survivor. And so a lot of times they're like, I guess I won't say anything. Yeah. Uh, I'll wait to see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which can make that, yeah, it can make that survivor feel like, well, completely forgotten or unheard. But I think survivors and overcomers need to understand, too, that family members have no idea how to deal with trauma any more than we do. So they're learning just as much as we are. Doing it together is the best way. Unfortunately, a lot of these men and women are in the position because they don't have those support systems. 
So, but the, for the ones that do, like the two amazing ladies that are leading our survivor, they, they want very much to have their loved ones back and to be able to have those conversations with them. So I guarantee you the day that that happens, because I truly believe it will, that they'll sit down and they'll love on them just like they, they were never gone. And that's what, unfortunately, a lot of them don't have, but need. So they just need love and acceptance and to know that what happened to them was not their fault and, and to move forward together with people that can support them no matter what, because it's a long process, a long healing process, but for everybody, not just the survivor. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I love is that you use the phrase overcomers and and I love that phrase, Mm -hmm. but you've also made sure that you're dedicating proceeds of your book when silence ends to the center for economic resources for overcomers. So what does that center do? Yeah, because we needed one more thing to do, right? But (laughs) I, again, I have had a dream for years, kind of like my book. It's just all coming to fruition at the same time, but I wanted a well, this is the the reality. There's a lot of homes out there, safe homes, not enough. I think there's only like 400 beds nationwide from what I hear. It put things in perspective in the state of Texas, there's 313,000 victims just here. So obviously there's not enough beds out there. And for those that are going into programs, it's a specific clientele within anti-trafficking, meaning that about 98% close to that are doing life on their own after they have been trafficked. They are not going into programs. They don't even know programs exist. And so we want, I wanted a place, a welcoming and safe place that these men and women can come, but do continue to do life on their own terms, but we just help them with the economic empowerment part of it. So again, that's scholarships, that's helping with jobs, that's learning how to do a resume or getting their GED or joining a support group or going to therapy, doing uh, outreach work together with other survivors, giving back to the community. So the center is really just a place for us to come together and do all of those things, help them with economic empowerment and, and help them move forward, but on their own terms, rather than another one to two years of a program telling them how they have to live their life. We, we say, how do you want to live yours and how can we make it happen? So that's what our center is based on. We're not opening our doors yet until this this summer, but it's in the works and it's happening and we're excited about it. So this podcast, it goes everywhere. And so what is something that any one person can do that can help support Hands of Justice and or the Center for Economic Resources for Overcomers? Yeah. If you're local to the city of Conroe, Texas, we need you. Like we need volunteers. Our volunteers... It's very different. They do have to apply to be in the center and they have to have a background check and then they have to go through training because we don't just stick anybody in with survivors and say, have at it. You know, there's a lot of trauma training that needs to happen with that or healing. We're more healing centered than we are trauma focused. If you don't know what that means, maybe we just kind of focus on their healing journey rather than the trauma that they've gone through. So we're Mm -hmm. moving forward with them. We want other people to do that as well. So just allowing volunteers to come in and share their talents with these men and women, um, help teach classes, lead Bible study, do intake and assessment. So we need volunteers. If you're not local, again, going on and to our wish list and helping with the freedom bags is a huge help because again, we do almost about 110 a month. 
And it's a lot of work <laughs> and finding those items is really essential for that to happen. But then you can also go on, there's events listed on our homepage all the time, any, any kind of resources or funding. In the state of Texas, some of the funding has been cut in half. And so finding that even, I mean, it's a miracle that right now, these times that we have a center that is being opened to the public soon because funding is so lacking. But so we need, we need sponsors, we need funding and you know, all of that fun stuff that comes along with nonprofit work. Well, it's all necessary for nonprofit work. Yes, it is. And individuals can go straight to the website and there's a donate button right on there. And then as you said, the events tab, so they can follow up that way. Absolutely. We have a lot of in-person educational seminars. We have one on Friday. It's an all day training which um, we bring in five or six other uh, speakers. So we have like Janet Casper's coming with the governor's office. We have somebody coming from the human trafficking task force. So we'll talk about case studies. And then there's, we have bring in overcomers that they can share. We bring in the family members so they can share their perspective. And we, and we offer CEUs. So anybody who needs continuing education units, we are hopefully in the future going to be offering some online because we have people outside of the state of Texas that really want to be a part of these. And so we're looking into that. So we do have a lot of things, even if you're not in the state of Texas where you can be involved. And again, if you're a survivor and you need support and you need help, please sign up for one of our support groups because not only do you have support at that very moment, but you also can um, be given resources that can help in your area. Wonderful. But that is all the time we have for today. I encourage everyone to follow Hands of Justice on social media at Hands of Justice on Facebook and Hands of Justice 107.14 on Instagram. You can learn more about Hands of Justice and support their mission at handsofjustice.org going to have the links for the social media and the webpage in the podcast notes, as well as a direct link to the Freedom Bags wish list and how you can purchase the book when silence ends. Yeah. Rebecca, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today and sharing your message and the work of Hands of Justice. But before we sign off, turning the mic over to you for any final thoughts. Oh, really? Just, uh, well, thank you again for having me. But uh, really, again, just if you aren't educated and you aren't involved, I, I highly encourage you to at least attend a human trafficking 101 because this is the subject that is very, very dark and it's hard to talk about, but it is happening all around you. And if you don't know what to look for, you again, cannot spot it and you won't be able to help anybody. And that might end up one day being a loved one or yourself. And so again, just just try to get out there and, and find ways that you can support nonprofits and, and then again, get educated and, and learn, go from there. <laughs> but thank you again so much for having me and appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining us. As always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe and you can find us on social media, no gray zone, RRC on Instagram or Twitter and no gray zone on Facebook. There are no excuses when it comes to human trafficking or not having the right response when it comes to being part of a survivor-led conversation. I'm just good at caring too much. I'm just good.